Welcome to the Perfume Room. My scent of the day today is appropriately Plum and Cognac by Sense of Wood. Why do I say appropriately? Well, our guest today is the founder of Sense of Wood, Fabrice Croise. So I will save the backstory and the inspiration behind this fragrance for Fabrice because he does talk about it. But let me tell you about the scent memory that this triggers for me because it is a strong one. Let's set the scene. The year is like 2006, 2007. As a kid, I went to sleepaway camp and my camp friends and I all grew up in suburbs of New York City. So we would all take their train in, whether it was New Jersey Transit, Long Island Railroad, Metro North, and meet in the city at my grandmother's apartment. And down the street from her apartment was this amazing neighborhood sushi spot that we loved and they loved us. And it was kind of like small and tucked in a corner and they weren't strict on IDs. And so they would always serve us. And the one thing that they had on their menu was plum wine. We were all of the same mindset that we will drink absolutely anything that anyone is willing to serve us, which meant we drank almost exclusively plum wine. With that said, I will say you would be surprised how many spots served a bunch of 15-year-old girls with essentially like fake beauty marks drawn on them. Like in retrospect, we definitely looked like a stack of kids in a trench coat. But if they'd have us, we'd have them. And that was our motto. None of us had fake IDs. We would just walk into bars. And if anyone was like ID, we'd be like, oops, we left it at home and just like run out of the bar. So yeah, a lot of uh, plum wine induced fun. And this fragrance was immediately a trip down memory lane. Anyway, I digress. If you want a little bonus episode about my underage escapades in New York City, let me know. But if not, let's get back to Plum and Cognac, a most beautiful fragrance. Obviously, the first thing I smell just takes me back to my own memory, but this fragrance is so much more complex than that. It's very smoky, very woody, very spicy. That cinnamon note in there adds almost something that feels like a little Christmassy. And then the vetiver in there just adds this perfect amount of dryness. And I just feel like the balsam note is really what gives it almost like a like a bonfire smell. Like it smells like plums sort of roasting on an open fire. And if I had to describe it in terms of other fragrances you guys might be familiar with, the ones that kind of come to mind would be, I would say sort of like that cinnamon, gourmandy, woody quality of Angel Share by Killian mixed with that plum note in plum japonais or maybe Atelier gold leather. And I think it's just absolutely lovely. Definitely an evening fragrance in my opinion um, and just a stunner. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm starting a new segment where I do a weekly roundup of some of the best things I smelled that week, as well as things that I posted on Instagram that you guys are most curious about. So with that said, let's get into it. Okay, so first up by popular demand, because a lot of you asked about this, was the Billie Eilish fragrance, Eilish, which I did smell. And I will just say, you have to be an absolute gourmand lover to enjoy this scent. It is incredibly sweet. And I don't see a melon note listed, but as I smell it in the opening, I smell something really, really melony in a way that reminds me of two fragrances that I also thought had this very specific smell, which would be Floral Street Wild Vanilla Orchid and Dias and Durga Durga. If you have smelled either of those or maybe both of those, you might know exactly what I mean. Now, I need to add my own caveat that I have a scent memory that has tainted the smell for me, for life, which is that when I was like six years old, I had some sort of like, I don't know, UTI or bladder infection and I couldn't swallow pills. And I was given some, you know, drinkable syrup that was absolutely nauseating. And it had this melon flavor that smells very reminiscent to whatever the note is that I am smelling in this fragrance, as well as the other two I just mentioned. So it is immediately like gag inducing for me based on my own personal experience. With that said, I find it to open in a sort of melony syrupy way, almost as if there was like a melon version of grenadine mixed with vanilla. And then the dry down is very vanilla sugar cube to me. If you are a vanilla lover, I could see this being totally up your alley. I am so particular about vanilla. It has to be very, very specific for me to enjoy it. And unfortunately, with that said, this one did not meet that criteria. Okay, that's out of the way. 
The next fragrances I want to talk about are from the house Régime des Fleurs, which I am so impressed by. I've been curious about this line for a long time, mainly because I am in love with the bottles. You know, I love me a ball cap bottle, and I think these are absolutely stunning. So I wanted to see if the curtains match the drapes or the fragrances as good as the bottles. And I will say I am enjoying all of the fragrances that I sampled. I want to get into the episode, so I'm just going to do a quick little rapid fire. Okay, Bacheva reminds me a lot of Dead Cool Fragrance 02. Very incensey, very patchouli, a beautiful juniper note, and to me, something sweet and berryish. I don't believe that this has any berry notes listed, but I could see this, you know, if I had to guess just like what I smell, I smell almost like blackberry, incense, and patchouli, and juniper as the dominant notes definitely think you have to love patchouli in order to love this. And if you do, it is an absolute stunner. Next up, Falling Trees. Immediately, I was like, I know this smell. Where do I know it? And the two things that I thought of were one, those smell of like cedar closets and like people who have like, I don't know, like a house in Vermont, you know, like those closets you store things in that just have that amazing smell very similar to the smell of the wood benches in a sauna. If you go in a sauna, it has a smell. This fragrance smells like that, that cedary, bench-like sort of arid smell. But at the same time, it has this crispness and this coolness of fresh forest air. I think it's a little bit reminiscent to maybe like an Aesop Hawil, but I definitely get more of like a fresh forest air note in this that I don't get as much in Hawil another stunner. Next up, Little Flower, which is the Chloe Sevigny fragrance. Oh, this bottle is so beautiful. It has like a pearl ball cap. This one immediately reminded me of something I've smelled recently, which is Lise Rosestruck, which I know I'm going to get shit for this, but it reminds me both of these fragrances of Versace Bright Crystal. Now I know Bright Crystal is not rose and black currant, but the way that those notes combine and the way that these notes combine, I'm getting a sort of like fresh citrusy floral that feels very similar. And I do really enjoy this one. Next up, we have cacti. And as soon as I put this on my wrist, it was immediately comforting in a very ozonic, dewy, tea, watery sort of way. Except the other thing that I really got from it was the heliotrope note, which fades as we get to the heart of the fragrance, but the opening is heliotrope. As it starts to dry down, you really get the other sort of ozonic watery notes. I know there's notes of aloe and cucumber in there, but I also get something sort of warmer and cocoony and enveloping that happens as the heart comes out. And it kind of feels... Yeah, it feels like a more like cloud-like version of something like Elizabeth Arden green tea or the tea scent from Bulgari. Um, just another lovely, really enjoyable, wearable fragrance. Al Ducan, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Let me know if I'm not. I thought it was just absolutely sexy. Um, I immediately gave my sample to my boyfriend and I was like, I'm going to need you to wear this for me, please and thank you. It feels like a sort of traditional masculine scent with a twist I'm really enjoying it. My boyfriend's loving it. And it's got notes of olibanum, cardamom, ambergris, oud, black pepper, and white musk. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely sexy. And the last of the six that I ordered is Willows, which on notes alone, you would assume is my absolute dream fragrance with notes of violet, mimosa, iris, wheat, tonka, black pepper, and carrot seeds. And yes, I did enjoy it. I did love it. But as I am getting ready for the Perfume Room Smell Club, which is just in two short weeks, I couldn't help but notice that it reminded me so much of Parmois de Parfum or as Tattoo 29, which is one of the fragrances in the Smell Club this month. So I did really enjoy it, but I was like, you know what? I recently smelled something very similar. So it didn't wow me in the way that I was expecting. With that said, if I had not just smelled Oris Tattoo, I think objectively I would be very, very into it. That's my roundup. Let's get to today's guest and episode because it is a great one. As I mentioned earlier, today we are joined by Fabrice Croiset, who is the founder of Sense of Wood. Fabrice has an extensive career in the fragrance industry, in advertising, and in founding another line before this one. And his intention behind creating Sense of Wood was not only to pay homage to trees and to the forest, but also to break the mold about how both consumers and the industry Think about packaging, distribution, 
creation and marketing. I don't want to spoil it because you will hear all about it in the episode, but the journey of this line and the creation of the fragrances themselves are absolutely fascinating. And you'll also hear about Fabrice's future plans to create a fragrance NFT. And if you still are having a hard time grasping the concept of NFTs, which admittedly I was as well, Fabrice does a wonderful job of just explaining what they are, why they're important, and why they're going to be huge in layman's terms. Not to mention, you will hear all about the inspiration for an upcoming creation. And what was that inspiration? An episode of Perfume Room. This is major. Without further ado, here is Fabrice. Fabrice, welcome to the Perfume Room. How are you doing today? Emma, I'm so happy to be here with you. I am happy to be here with you. It's wonderful. It's my. It's only my second podcast recording, and I'm so excited. Very exciting to have you on the podcast. I first found out about you because Linda Levy was on the podcast, and she was singing your praises. And then I realized that you were the Fragrance Foundation Fragrance Extraordinaire with Plum and Cognac. And I was like, I must talk to you. And we have formed a, a beautiful friendship ever since. That's right. And by the way, Linda is probably going to listen to this. So Linda, thank you so much for introducing me to Emma. And amongst many other things that you've done for our brand um, by being such a wonderful president for the Fragrance Foundation. So thank you. <laughs> so Fabrice, I always start the podcast with the following question. What are you currently wearing fragrance-wise, of course? I am wearing something very unlikely and I'm wearing it because I'm working on it for the next collection. It's a captive uh, molecule by the name of Opaline uh, mm -hmm. that IFF has developed originally for... Uh, for as a, as a fragrant molecule that would be used in fabric care. And I was, uh, I was, talking, to, uh, I was talking to Julien Rasquinet about, about creating fragrances for A Sense of Wood, and he had this idea of doing a woody opaline. And knowing what opaline was, I was like, wow, okay. Uh, let's, let's, and, um, and he... he proceeded with that idea and the result is quite extraordinary and so I'm wearing that today because I need to give him some feedback about it and mm -hmm. uh, I've uh, seen actually that I was looking at the last post of, uh, of IFF on their Instagram um, account is actually about Opaline so I think Opaline is making a big move from wow. fabric care to uh, fine fragrance and uh, hopefully Sense of Wood will be the first one to illustrate that uh, olfactively so I'm, I'm really excited. Can you tell us at all what that what that smells like? Like, is there a fabric thing that we would relate it to? Oh, I'm sure it's been used in many in many fabric fabric uh, um, care products that that we have been all using. It's like it's kind of a um, it's a watery ozonic type of a, a type mm. of a smell. Aldehydic okay. um, or aldehydic, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like a burst of freshness like that. That's mm -hmm. you, what you would expect from um, from uh, fabric care with a softness to it that makes it really interesting um but it by itself it feels very chemical it's 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 it feels it it smells really um and and it's probably because we've been used we've been smelling it for so long in in a particular mm -hmm. category of product but what julian turned it into and the way he used it and the way he wrapped it into um into a woody fragrance is quite admirable so um yeah that's what that's what i'm wearing right now i'm wearing very fabric exciting. care Fabric care. Okay. I would love to see it. Uh, Fabrice and Fabrique. Okay. I know this is a loaded question as someone with their own fragrance line, but would you say you have a signature scent? Um, I wouldn't. No, I, I've, I, there, there have been a few scents in my life that I've been wearing to, uh, for, for an extended period of time. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly those were the scents that I was, well, so I started my career working for uh, Lancôme, right? Doing, uh, mm -hmm. doing fragrance development for Lancôme. And back then we were so I wore poem for a long and and all the the various iterations of poem because before poem became poem <laughs> uh, for three years that there was mm -hmm. a three year long development for one cent which in retrospect sounds insane but that that's what right. it was. Um, I was also wearing old old, old pour homme. Um, then I then for sixteen years I I worked for an ad agency that specializes in perfume. But mm -hmm. um, I was wearing stuff that our clients were developing, but also stuff that I was personally interested in so i had my i had a shalimar uh period i had an, mm -hmm. a long 
love story with uh, Ambo Sultan by uh, Serge Utens, which is to this day has a very, very special place in my heart. And then I started developing my own brands and my own fragrances. So that, that's what I've been wearing. But signature scent per se, I wouldn't say no. It's just, you know, when, when you have a brand founder, you end up wearing so much stuff all the time because right. you get submissions right. from all the perfumers as well with an idea. And it's just, and none of them are really, uh, most of them are not even completed, not finished. It's just like little ideas, right? And right. so that's what you wear. Um, also, and I know from your previous podcasts that your next question is going to be, do I have any controversial idea on fragrance? You're reading my mind. I don't particularly believe that fragrances need to be worn. I, uh, I'm not, and that's the only controversial thing that I think I'm going to say today, but I don't see fragrances as something that you necessarily should be wearing. I am perfectly content walking around my house with a blotter, um, right, with a fragrance on it, or two, two blotters and two different scents to compare mm-hmm. and contrast. Um, I'm perfectly content uh, spraying my furniture with my scents uh, or my lampshades or my, you know, whatever (laughs) is around me. Um, Okay, I've never heard that one before. And uh, well, lampshades are great because they just, they warm up, they they diffuse the scent really nicely. And furniture is really awesome too. Um, And also furniture is easier than lampshades because you can can draw little zones and make sure that you don't spray over something that you have sprayed or or, uh, in the same place. So yeah, so I don't see fragrances as something to be worn. I see some fragrances as something to be enjoyed in whichever way you want. And so this whole, um, this whole conversation about how it evolves on skin and, you know, how mm-hmm. it does this. So it's just, it, it always makes me feel a little frustrated because I think fragrances are so much more than that. You know, they're just, um, they're just works of art and then, you know, do, do what you want as with, with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, you know, I mean, not to jump ahead, I'm going to get back to Sense of Wood, but I do know that Sense of Wood, all of your fragrances exist in three forms. You have a lot of threes in Sense of Wood, but you have a personal fragrance, a candle and incense form of, of every scent, correct? That's correct. My idea is to introduce a new product um, a product uh, f- a form, a new way of wearing, of wearing or using a fragrance mm-hmm. in every mm-hmm. single collection. So the first collection was... The, the scent, the wearable scent, and mm-hmm. the candles, right? The right. second collection, we kept the candle going, but we added the incense. Mm-hmm. Next collection, we're going to keep the candle and the incense going, but we're going to add a third form, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to tell you nothing about at this point, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's really... You can't tease that. Um, and and then on and on and on. Every year we every year we start a new subscription. It, tw- it lasts for twelve months, and we use this uh, a opportunity to launch a new way of of enjoying fragrances. Um, mm-hmm. And there are so many different ways you can you can. So um, we'll do furniture sprays someday, and we'll do uh, we'll do, you know we we have so many so many um, so many uh, different variations ahead of us. Okay, well let's go back a few steps and let's just talk about the origin story of Sense of Wood. What was your inspiration? So I think if I really go back to the very beginning of it. Um, the inspiration was the work of Michael Edwards, <laughs> quite simply. I think it was the uh, it was the um, that idea that he had about the the wheel of the wheel of fragrances, you know, the fragrance mm-hmm. wheel uh, that he came up with in the eighties, I think, mm-hmm. uh, as a as a tool to help um, to help um, uh, beauty advisors behind the counters in department stores to suggest one fragrance or another to their uh, to their clients based mm-hmm. on what they were wearing and what they were liking. Now, I always thought that it was a very striking, simple, efficient way of talking about fragrances mm-hmm. uh, because it just structures the entire conversation around a few, around four quadrants and then sub-quadrants. Mm-hmm. The four quadrants being, uh, as you know, back then it was fresh, woody, oriental, and uh, and floral, and oriental has been replaced in the, in the topologies by ambery. Uh, for obvious reasons recently. And so before Sense of Wood, I created a brand which which I sold and that brand was all about flowers, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea of that brand was, let's explore, it was in partnership with a with a, a celebrity florist. And the idea was, let's do an exploration of floral notes and, and flowers in perfumery. And I based that idea on the fact that a few years earlier, a decade earlier, actually, Atelier Cologne had done the same thing conceptually with fresh notes. The, the original mm-hmm. idea of Atelier Cologne was let's explore freshness and fragrance and let's mm-hmm. let's do this with yeah. And so so when I started thinking about my next brand, I looked at the quadrant and there were two. 
at the, the wheel and there were two quadrants left. There were Woody's and Amber's. So I wrote a concept for each of them. And because I live in the forest here in, in, in altitude forest in, in the mountains of Utah, and surrounded mm-hmm. by trees and, and they've played such a role, important role in my life, um, I decided I was going to go with, with the, the Woody idea first. Which doesn't mean that I will never do the Embry. The Embry idea is awesome, and someday mm-hmm. I will do it as well. But uh, yeah, yeah um, so that's 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 how the, the whole thing was born. And I I was actually I had a, a long conversation with Michael Edwards about this, and he was very touched that uh, that it, it was you know not only at the at the source of so many people understanding fragrance better and talking about fragrance better and knowing better what they like, but also mm-hmm. that incidentally it just happened to be at the, the origin of, of another brand. Yeah, Sense of Wood. Yeah. So, and he, he told me when we spoke, he told me about a very touching story about his own childhood in Africa and the relationship with one particular scent, with one particular type of uh, tr- uh, tree and wood. And he said, if you ever feel inspired, I would love for that memory to become a fragrance and it will and it will come out next year well i mean i know when we were talking last you mentioned that you get inspiration from all different kinds of places potentially perfume room podcast i would love to learn more about where you get your inspiration for these fragrances like how you're going to create one inspired by michael edwards memory well, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, I know the way I, I remember that conversation. Well, actually, it's an interesting, it's, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to one of your previous episodes of your wonderful podcast, which by the way, I love, and it's, it's I'm learning so much from it. Um, and you were having a conversation with another prominent TikTok fragrance influencer, like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you, you, you know the person I'm talking about. Yes, the niche sampler, uh, Valerie. Yes. And it was such a cool conversation. And at some point, for whatever reason, she started talking about a molecule that has been isolated as the molecule that smells like the bacteria that um, grows on the skin of old people. And she was mm-hmm. saying that molecule is the smell of old human beings. And when I was when I was when I was listening to her, I was I was thinking everybody always talks about how good babies smell, babies smell, but no one ever speaks really about how old people smell. And, <laughs> and so I called uh, Pascal Gorin, who is uh, one of the perfumers that I, I love to work with and, and has become a very dear friend of mine. And I said, Pascal, I have an idea. We're going to put the babies because they, IFF and, and, and their competitors, they all have isolated uh, molecules that smell like the head of a baby. And, you know. Right, right, of course. And so I, I, I told him, listen, we're going to put the, the baby, the baby's head smell <laughs> in, a, in a sense. We're going to put the old people smell. And then we're going to put a tree in the middle, a woody scent in the middle. And we're going to call, we're going to call the scent the tree of life. And he's like, you're crazy. <laughs> why, why am I crazy? And so he said, because the, this idea of the, 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 the smell of old people is not something that is aspirational. <laughs> and I'm like, neither are indolic notes. Everybody's always speaking proudly about the smell of shit in channel number five. And I cannot use right. the smell of old people. You're right. <laughs> and, um, and he said, yeah, I see, I see your point, but I don't think, I think it's just, I think what we should do is we, is we should use, we should frame the tree of life with the baby's smell on one hand, and then some type, some type of a scent that is symbolic of funeral rites in a way that is noble and inspirational and beautiful, like, like incense, but something right. a little bit more original and surprising. Huh. And I'm like, that's awesome. Let's do that. And so we're going to go from baby from birth to funeral rites with a woody note in the middle. And we're gonna and we're working on this. <laughs> and so we're trying so to cool. we're trying to make it work and to see how we can eventually come up with that scent that will be called the tree of life. And and that's out to you and to your wonderful podcast and to the conversation that you were having that day. <laughs> so that's, oh an, that's an example of, yeah, an example of idea. Uh, it's actually a very good example of, of the way I, I love to interact with perfumers, which is mm-hmm. no structured brief, no images, music, textures, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just an emotional conversation. I mean, that particular case, it started almost like a, uh, he thought it was a joke in the beginning. He thought I was really crazy, but then he understood I was serious. And then it, yeah. we, we took it to the, to the level where actually he, when we hung up, he had the beginning of a, a structure in his mind, right? Interesting. And that's all, yeah. and that's all I needed to, 
you know, then then it's his it's his talent, his genius that is going to to turn that into something that I will smell soon. But uh, the way I usually start the, the the development of fragrance with a perfumer who is interested in working on sense of wood is asking them about their. I, I've been talking about this a lot, but uh, about their personal forest, right? About the trees mm. that in their mind that compose their personal forest, all the trees that they remember that they have memories attached to, mm-hmm. and then. And then everybody has one. You have one. I have one. Everyone has one. And 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 then I pick one tree, meaning one memory from their personal forest, and then we start from there. And 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 that's I believe that's the that's the key reason why, in spite of having a new fragrance per month, which could be, you know, there's always the danger of um, overlap or lack of inspiration when you when you mm-hmm. actually have a, 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 a regular output like that. In spite of that, I, I believe our scents are really quite beautiful and and, uh, and inspiring, and and I believe that's because they're anchored in something super emotional like that. That's beautiful. I personally can vouch for that, as I have had the privilege of smelling several scents of wood fragrances, and I love that you are putting the perfumers at the heart of the story and sort of sourcing, mining their own inspiration. Because one of the things I was going to ask you was, you know, because you do have so many scents coming out. How do you pick which perfumers work on which fragrance? Is it all based on their own inspiration or? Yes. I don't pick who works on what. They mm-hmm. decide what they want to work on. As long as you still would send the receipt, right? Because uh, that's because right. the concept of the brand is fragrances inspired by forests and trees. But as long as they're, they're, the, the, the scent they propose is inspired by forests and trees and mm-hmm. preferably by a very specific forest and a very specific tree in their mind, like I said, then mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't choose anything else than that, you know. Interesting. Um, okay. Then, in, in, then who works on sense of wood? Well, I'm, as the brand grows in uh, in awareness, I'm, I'm I'm blessed that more and more perfumers are interested in working on 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 the brand. So mm-hmm. um, they um, they propose and we go for it. <laughs> well, it's very clear that sense of wood is very innovative. Obviously, I love this idea of exploring molecules of, I mean, I know you're not exploring the old people molecule, but this idea of like, it's only weird until somebody does it, right? Like you were talking about fecal notes, like that's, that's a bizarre concept, except it's not. Or opaline, it's, opaline from Fabricare. Exactly. Or you think of like David offer notes, like, you know, there's, everything's weird until someone does it and it's successful. And I think specifically to Sense of Wood, you have this incredible you know, connection to wooden aged barrels. Did I say that correctly? Wooden aged barrels. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about what, what that inspiration was? So my, my original idea when I, back to the moment when I wrote the, 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 the first narrative of the brand, right. The first idea for what that brand could become. Mm -hmm. I was, I was really trying to, I was trying to write an homage to forest trees and woody notes. And one of the most beautiful exploration of woody notes that has been done is outside of the fragrance uh, industry, actually. It's the, in the spirits industry, in the wine industry, right? Has mm-hmm. been extracting woodiness out of barrels for centuries um, mm-hmm. in the making of what's one of the most crafted, wonderful output of, of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, is there a way I could introduce that to introduce that craftsmanship into a, a fragrance, um, a fragrance idea? And and then I came up with this idea of aging fragrances into wooden wooden barrels. And that was a complete catastrophe. Um, it was it was a nightmare. It was a chemistry uh, a chemistry maze. It wasn't it was it was impossible. There's so much in the fragrance, um, so many different ingredients, um, so many different interactions with the wood. It was I was impossible to control. It was going into directions that were uh, absolutely not um, practical or usable. It wouldn't. It was not stopping. It was. It was just. And then I was talking to Nicolas Mirzayans, who back then was the uh, the president of of fragrances uh, fragrances at IFF, and Nicolas told me, I, I think you could, I think your idea is great, but instead of putting the entire fragrance in the in the barrel, why don't you just age the alcohol? Mm-hmm. And then do a solution of the oils into that aged alcohol. It doesn't take anything away from your your story, and it might be much easier. Mm. We tried, and that actually worked. That you can yeah. actually control. That you that, then you get. So so I started purchasing barrels, <laughs> building a collection of empty barrels. And uh, what's that process like? How do you figure out which barrels you're going to purchase? Okay, so 
at the, at the beginning, I was just purchasing whatever I could find. Uh, mm-hmm. Much to my dismay, a lot of it was not usable because they leak, because they're too old, because they stink, mm-hmm. because whatever. But a few of them were. A few of the vintage barrels uh, were usable. And then I got introduced to, to the biggest luxury barrel manufacturer in France. Uh, it's a company called Segamoro, and they sit mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the city of Cognac. Mm-hmm. And they basically do the barrels for all the most prestigious wines and, and spirits in, in France. I got introduced to them, became f- quite friendly with the, the CEO of that company, and he started providing me with barrels every time. Because he, he has an eye, and he has an understanding of barrel manufacturing that I would never have, obviously. And so he knew what to send to me, he knew what to tell me to buy, and, and then he produced a few new barrels for, for us as well. So mm-hmm. I got uh, acacia barrels for him, chestnut barrels from him, uh, American oak barrels from him. Two, that, two different types of French oak barrels from him that were that are brand new. And, um, and so we started aging the alcohol in that. And then once it's aged, we take it out and we put it in, in metal drums and it's stable. And then the perfumers, basically, when, when, when we do our entire development, we do it with um, an aged uh, alcohol. We, still the same organic al- sugarcane alcohol that we use in all of our fragrances, mm-hmm. but an aged and then once we're really happy with what we have, then we, we pick the barrel. And so we age that solution in all the different barrels, and then we choose the one that, uh, that does justice to the idea of the, that the perfumer has be, behind that particular scent. And for them, it's so fun. Mm-hmm. And it's also like uh, they hit the jackpot because it's like it's their palette just, just became bigger. It's just like right. they, they, they just were given five, ten, eight things to play with that they didn't have before and they, they just have the best time with that. So, mm-hmm. and and every single name of a fragrance in our collection is actually the reflection of that process. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's the name of the main woody note in the name of the barrel. So for instance, um, Vetiver in Chestnut is a fragrance that is uh, organized around the idea of Vetiver. And that mm-hmm. we aged in, um, used an alcohol that we aged in, in the chestnut barrel. That's so revolutionary because I feel like usually the carrier alcohol is supposed to sort of be an invisible ingredient in fragrance and you're making it the star. That's very true. It was, it was, the, it was uh, yeah, ethanol that has been used for a century. That it's just, mm-hmm. has been chosen because it's pure and absolutely entirely neutral. Uh, mm-hmm. And we do the, yeah, we've done the exact opposite. We denutralized alcohol, if you will. So another thing that you guys are doing that I find fascinating is the entire DTC process of your brand. I know you were a COVID launch, right? You launched in, in 2020 and you were talking about the subscription service. What have you done to make being a DTC fragrance company viable? So... It, it was complex. It was, and you're talking about COVID, and I'm saying this with a lot of compassion and respect for everybody who suffered from COVID. For us, it, it was actually, it was actually a good moment for us to launch a DT brand because everybody was mm-hmm. spending so much time in front of the screens and um, mm-hmm. at home. And um, the idea of the subscription came from the necessity of creating enough critical mass behind the brand that you would be that we would be able to proceed to pay mm-hmm. our staff, to uh, um, buy the uh, components and all that. When my previous brand was entirely department stores, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a brand that goes into department stores, we're at Saks and Bergdorf, Le bon Marché, et cetera. A brand that does that in its infancy lives from the opening orders, right? You get an mm-hmm. opening order from a store that gives you a little bit of cash, use that cash to pay yourself and to pay your, to pay your components, right? Um, then the next order comes and so on. It's not so much about the sales at the counter, which in the, at, at the beginning are very, very slow, obviously. There was no such thing. There's no such thing in, and it, I mean, I'm, I'm taking this into a very business uh um, place, but is that okay? <laughs> Let's go there. I'm putting on my business hat. Okay. Okay, very good. Um, so when you when you decide to go direct to consumer, you don't have opening orders. I mean, the, own, right. the every order is an opening order, and every order is just the value of a bottle, right? So yeah. it's it's very it's uh, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to survive as a DTC brand unless you find a twist, and that mm-hmm. twist was the subscription model, and uh, the idea. I just wanted a brand that was all creation all the time. I've always been talking about all creation all the time, this constant interaction with perfumers. Um, I love the fact that I talk to perfumers almost every day. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's my favorite part of my job anyway. Um, and so I love that we are constantly developing new stuff. And I wanted to be 
a brand that would break the mold of launching with a collection and then a new fragrance every year. I just wanted a new, a new fragrance every month, but a new world-class level, best perfumers in the world, fragrance every month, right? And, um, and that's what triggered the idea of a subscription. I was like, if I'm going to create that much, I might as well create a subscription model where people get that little, that little injection of forest and trees into their life on a monthly basis um, in a way that, that triggers in their heart and in their soul uh, some longing for nature and maybe makes them feel like they should go out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit, what I'm describing is a little bit the fragrance equivalent of being uh, subscribing to outside magazine, if you will, mm-hmm. right? You receive outside mm-hmm. magazine, you see all those beautiful picture, pictures of national parks and, uh, mm-hmm. and the latest, uh, the latest equipment, the latest gear to do whatever sport you like. And, and then boom, you have that, that little softness. Oh, I need to do this. Right. Same thing. Right. And, um, and so going back to the business conversation, it worked. Um, it actually, we actually convinced enough people to subscribe to um, subscribe to Sense of Wood early enough in the game that we were we that gave us some not a stability, certainly not a break even in the beginning, but it, it gave us the uh, financial security that we needed in order to be able to create a brand. And so, in, in that subscription, each month you get one cent in the in the three forms, right? You get the candle, the okay. So I feel like there's something in this brand about threes because I know also that Sense of Wood has three names: one in French, one in English, and one in Japanese, and they all mean different things. I would love to hear, you know, what your thought process was behind that and what each of those names mean to you. So that was a deliberate, uh, a deliberate. Um uh, intent to not do things like everybody else. This one was just like, very oh, clear. I'm not, I'm not, not going to be Chanel. I'm not going to be Chanel. Chanel's very well. everywhere. with the same logo everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why not use the the very logo, the very brand name to actually tell a story that goes beyond one thing? Right. And um, and also from a graphic perspective, I thought it was interesting to to mix different languages into one single symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, and to mix different ways of uh, writing languages uh, into the one single symbol. And so I started with uh, French, English, and Japanese. Just uh, That was just a reflection of me. I'm, I just, I'm French, I live in the US, and I'm in love with Japan. Um, that was mm-hmm. that simple, you know? Mm-hmm. And each of those uh, cultures inform the relationship to nature and reform the, the relationship to trees and forest that the brand that is at the core of the brand in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, sense of wood is sense of wood, right? That's the uh, um, it, the, the French name is Lame du Bois, which means the soul of wood, which is mm-hmm. kind of a nod to our aging in wooden barrels and uh, and the use of uh, the use of natural and synthetic molecules and to extract the, the soul of woodiness. And then the um, the Japanese name is Shinrin Yoku, and that means forest bathing, which is a form of solitary meditation, walking meditation in in forest. Um, which I've always, ever since I heard about this years ago, I thought, oh my God, that's so cool. And mm-hmm. I've been practicing it and I really love doing it. And uh, there's something really magical about it. And I'm like, okay, let's do. But to your point about threes, it's not going to stay that way. Um, when I launch the brand in Germany, it will have a German name and I will get rid mm-hmm. of the English one. And then the logo in Germany will be Japanese, German, and French. And when mm-hmm. I launch in the UAE, I will have an Arabic name. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get rid of the French one. It will be English, Arabic, and Japanese, or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so the brand, if if the brand grows that far, and if the brand is one day a global brand, it will have not only uh, not only seven different logos, but it will mm-hmm. have twenty different languages in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the 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 truth or the 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 the, the concept of censored wood would be the addition of all those names with each of them having their different meanings mm-hmm. and each of them bringing their little piece to the conceptual puzzle, if you will. So, yeah. And I, I'm very happy about that decision. I'm not happy about mm-hmm. necessarily about everything. It's this, you know, thing that I try. But mm-hmm. this one, every time I look at my logo, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> I like I like this this adventure. Yeah. It's like nothing gets lost in translation because everything is translated for the language that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is that a trademark nightmare for you? It's a trademark. Uh, it's a trademark uh, blessing. Blessing. Because okay. the brand, the brand is actually the 
the overlap of the of the three languages. So um, mm-hmm. you, you can be sure that no one has ever done this because yeah. no one has ever done a brand in three languages anyway in any right. <laughs> in any product category. Mm-hmm. So no one ever tried to uh, no one ever tried to um, to trademark that. No, it's been quite easy the trademarking thing actually. No. Okay. Interesting. I've, I, you know, I've heard from perfume brands that trademarking is crazy. So when I hear all the different languages, that's like, that's where my brain goes. Very trademarking fun conversation. is very difficult when you when you try to, to take one thing uh, and, yes, and own yes. it. It's very unlikely that you that no one has ever thought about it. But and uh, fortunately, no one has ever thought. And maybe it's because it's a crazy idea, and eventually everybody is going to say. But no one has, has ever thought of doing this, and mm-hmm. so I. It, trademarking it is not difficult same thing with the um, with the fragrance names because mm-hmm. it's always something in something it's weird enough if you will that uh, i never and i don't trademark my fragrance names anyway because because i'm not dior and i don't need to um and also because they are so unique and specific that i don't know. right right so you were mentioning that you are french living in america what brought you specifically to utah i know you said you have a very personal relationship with nature Oh, I live in Utah because of skiing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ski uh, fanatic. <laughs> and wow. so I used to, I, we moved from the French Alps, where we're living in a French ski uh, mountain, uh, mm-hmm. to an American ski mountain, you know, just to keep that same lifestyle, but move it. Mountain to mountain, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's been mountain to mountain. And, and, and mountains are eminently forested places right it's right, uh, right. unless you go very high uh and uh and so yeah so we're surrounded by trees here it's quite beautiful so birch and and pine and it's magnificent are there any scents in your collection that are very inspired specifically by smells of where you live now of utah not really because those though again the scents are not my necessarily my personal forest it's the mm-hmm. my interaction with somebody else's personal forest and that somebody mm-hmm. else is the person who has the talent to uh, create fragrances mm-hmm. however um we've done a couple of explorations around birch we launched birch in acacia uh, last year and that was definitely inspired by yeah by uh, all the birch around me uh, there's a pine fragrance coming up uh, that is also based on such a conversation. So yes, in a way, it in- informs, but it always starts with their memories and then I add my own, if you will, in the mm-hmm. conversation. Okay, we need to talk about Plum and Cognac because it was the 2021 fragrance extraordinaire. And I feel like there's there's different moments. You know, you were talking about when your brand is distributed in department stores versus DTC, Talk about, you know, like an aha, I've made it moment. What was that process like? And and what was that like when you won that? I don't think I've, I've had the, I've made it moment yet, but, okay. um, <laughs> but nor do I think I, w- I ever will because I w- always look at my brand as in being in permanent beta state, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I always have all this idea about changing everything all the time anyway. So I don't think, but the honor of 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 winning that that amazing uh, award was unforgettable. It was really quite amazing. Um, being such a young brand, it was in June last year, so we were uh, eight months old back then. Not that we're very old now, with you know, we're less than two years old still, less than a year and a half old actually. But it was uh, being such a young brand and being bestowed with such a, an amazing, um, amazing. Um, award was really quite incredible um and i mean we beat gucci <laughs> it, was, it was just yeah it was it was crazy um that being said the scent is really extra, extraordinary when i when i first smelled premium cognac i was oh wow pascal this is this is crazy this is gonna be angel for 2030 <laughs> and uh and i remember we didn't not one change we put it in that barrel that vintage cognac barrel and then it was just perfect um everybody loves that scent it's um i i was i was um i was looking at uh, customer um feedback a couple of days ago because we just to put them on our website and it's amazing the stuff that people say about plumbing cognac it's uh, it's it's definitely it's not our only bestseller but it's mm-hmm. definitely a, a, a scent that will remain in the future for a very long time since uh, attached to the two cents of wood the same way. I mean, every brand has their own bestseller, right? But uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually, you are asking about Milestone. Actually, the, the, the watching one of your scents taking like flight like this and becoming mm-hmm. a bestseller 
it it makes you feel like you 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 have a business proposition in your hands. You know what I mean? If it's ah oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's not only it's not only an assortment of beautiful ideas. There's one that actually really resonates with people, mm-hmm. and it started resonating with people, uh, both men and women, uh, before the award. But obviously, the award gave it a, a lot of extra visibility, and it's been it's mm-hmm. been quite wonderful ever since. What was Pascal's story behind that scent? Oh, it was the plum trees in his grandfather's uh, backyard mm. uh, that played such a huge role, apparently, in his childhood. Uh, and there were all these different facets in it. What he remembered, he remembered the juicy plums and the color of the plums, and he remembered the crackling of the branches, and he remembered burning on Sunday night. He was, they were like, like pruning the trees uh, sometimes, and they were burning the branches away from mm. the trees. And he remember coming home with all that smoke, uh, that smoky scent on his clothes, which mm-hmm. is a smoky element to sense to um, cognac, which is is from there. And so, in, in a way, it's very. Uh, this one is extremely uh, personal for space, for sure. I think that's what makes these scents so special is they are such special, specific memories for the perfumers who create them. And this idea that rather than saying, you know here's what I want. How would you execute it? You say, this is, this is the overarching theme of the brand. What, what does that mean to you? And I think that because of that, you get an amazing product of really, really personal stories. Yeah, it's true. It's true. My perfume juice of the day is a major source of news for the fragrance community, which is that next week, is Fragrance Week, and specifically March 21st is Fragrance Day. This is our time, everyone. I am so excited to announce that I am part of the Fragrance Foundation's Fragrance Day virtual event, which takes place on the 21st from 12 to 5 p. Eastern Standard Time, and you can register online at fragrance.org, and registration is free. If you can't make that, you can catch me in another Fragrance Week appearance, which is that on the 23rd on Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, I am going live with the Furminish Instagram account from Perfume Room Pod. Set your reminders. See ya there. Okay, I thought I was done, but I do have one more announcement, which is that if you did not make it into the March Perfume Room Smell Club, but you want to buy a sample pack, we do have additional sample packs on the Lucky Scent site that you can get without having to register for the event. Back to the episode. I know that there have been some speculations of some sort of fragrance NFT from Sense of Wood. Is that, <laughs> is that something we can learn more about? Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, so eager to talk about it. It's not completely ready to be unveiled, but it will be soon. Uh, going back to the conversation we're having on, uh, on digital DTC, building a brand in, in, away from the department stores. And uh, um, I'm, very, I'm very interested in any new idea that comes from the digital world, not necessarily for myself, no, I never was on Facebook. I don't have a personal Instagram account. I just, you know, but more so as a way to be, to be true to the to the way the world is evolving. And and NFTs is part of that. Um, my son is graduating from college um, this year, and he's been working on NFTs because that's where he wants to. That's what he wants to do for, with his career for mm-hmm. a year and a half. I mean, since the beginning of them, uh, or so it seems. And we've had so many conversations, and I was. I came up with this idea of doing the first, the world's first NFT fragrance subscription. And so that's what we're working on. And it's not NFTs as little images with um, bored apes on it. And then you you purchase an image and you speculate with it. It's absolutely right. not like that. The idea is to do a subscription. So it's you actually buy an NFT that gives you access to six fragrances over three years. And they mm-hmm. have a common olfactive, olfactive umbrella. They're obviously all woody notes, but they're all going to be woody something. And, uh, and you get those scents, and then you get uh, privileged access to the brand and to our workshops and to the perfumers. And you know, all of this encapsulated in one single um, element of membership, ownership, and access, which is the NFT. So anyway, I, it's, it might be a little, it might sound a little abstract at this point. It's going to become very... Um, much more precise in the upcoming weeks. We're going to launch our website. Mm-hmm. We're going to um, we're going to communicate about this and and try to and and at at the um, at the heart of it, I feel like I have two education jobs to do. I need it's, I would love to educate the fragrance community 
on NFTs. And I would love just as much to educate the tech community, the NFT people, into on perfume. And yeah. you know, and I would and I think it would be great to have those two communities which don't necessarily overlap, mm-hmm. uh, meet somewhere, and that somewhere would be our NFT subscription. So Okay, well, for these listeners who are the fragrance community. Can you just break down like what the basics are of an NFT? This is something that my boyfriend has explained to me many times. And I just like, it's, it's what it's like owning IP. Like, can you, what is it in layman's terms that anyone can understand? So NFT is basically a title of ownership that sits on the blockchain uh, that it's, it's a way of establishing ownership of, it can be anything. It can be Mm -hmm. an image, but tomorrow it'll be a car, a house, or a a bag, a luxury bag that you purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, And by tracking the ownership to on the, on the blockchain to, um, to the first owner, um, you can actually create a chain of transaction, a chain of speculation, but also a chain of communication between the various owners of one single NFT, which means non-fungible token. So it's a mm-hmm. token, so it's a sign, it's, a, it's an element. Non-fungible means non, uh, non-exchangeable. So mm-hmm. um, it's unique in its, uh, in its, uh, in its form. Uh, as opposed, as opposed to fungible tokens, which like a dollar bill is a mm-hmm. fungible token. Every dollar bill is, is, is exchangeable for another one. So um, you can, you can uh, create this, um, this relationship between a community that owns the similar, similar kind of, of NFTs, but also between the people who actually um, sell to one another the NFTs. And it's, it's the, the implications to the world in which we're going to live tomorrow are immense. If you can imagine artists who come up with a sculpture or create a painting and they they sell that in a gallery somebody buys it from the gallery and then the artist uh, grows in reputation and uh, the person who purchased the, the the painting is going to sell it to another person the artist will 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 not be will not be benefiting from that second transaction or third transaction or fourth transaction right mm-hmm if there's an NFT attached to their work of art, then there's a, what they call a smart contract, which is attached to an NFT, which stipulates all the condition of transaction in the future. Well, the artist could say, every time my, my art gets sold to a new, a new um, uh, owner, I want to have 5%, I want to have 1%, 10%, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. And as a result, the artist remains not only financially, but also emotionally attached to every single piece of art that they send into the world. Um, if tomorrow there's an NFT for every single car that is being sold, then it will change the car industry because mm-hmm. it would be in the interest of, uh, let's say, Ford to make sure that every time their car, their, a car is being sold on the secondary market, they, since they make a commission, they're going to have an entire arsenal of places to make sure that they take care of the cars properly. And it will be mm-hmm. the end of the cars going down in value the moment you buy them because the very brand that sold it, to him, sold it to you will have done everything that they can to make sure that it grows in value for various reasons. Mm-hmm. They'll attach your memories, they'll, whatever it may be. So I don't know. I, I think it's, um, I've been listening to so many podcasts actually about this and, uh, and talking to a lot of people and I, th- I find it fascinating. And I think, I think it would be great for the fragrance industry to be somehow Everything that I see in the beauty industry right now is, is brands or big groups positioning themselves, right? They, mm-hmm. they just launched their NFTs. It's a, it's a bunch of images and they're hoping they're going to become the object of speculation. Great. But I think it's much more interesting to make it about access, about membership, about, uh, about emotional connection to a brand. So that's what we're going to try to do. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. No, we, we still mm-hmm. have uh, a lot of things to do with <laughs> the rest of our business, but um, that's the idea. Well, I love that because I feel like fragrance is something that's so personal for the people who wear it or don't wear it, you know, just experience it in whatever capacity. So this idea that the perfumer or the creator or the founder could see that that personal attachment as it spreads, I think is a really, you know, I mean, as a perfumer or, or a brand founder, you put something out into the world that feels very personal, it feels like your baby, and then you kind of lose that attachment to it and you don't know how someone else is going to receive it or how they're going to wear it. So I think it's a really cool way to sort of keep the creator at the forefront. That, and also for the, from the customer side, there is a, you become actually, you, you feel like you're owning part of the brand. Because when, when you buy a fragrance today, 
you buy the fragrance, you use it, it's done. If you like it, you rebuy it. Or it goes into your collection, whatever you, your uh, MO might be. When you buy an NFT for any product, right? You buy an NFT, then that NFT is attached to a product or not, but in our case, it will be. Mm-hmm. Even when you have used the product, you still own the NFT that gives you access to a, a whole bunch of services and ideas that the brand uh, uh, puts forward. Mm-hmm. And you can sell that NFT on the secondary mar- market. So it's actually, you purchase something that keeps it value, its value if the brand mm-hmm. goes does, does well and if the brand right. is interesting. And so you actually own a little piece of the mm-hmm. brand's um, of the brand's imagination, of the brand's right. business, and of the brand's uh, of the brand's activity, mm-hmm. right? Right, you're like a key stakeholder in this brand. All yeah, of a which is so interesting. They talk a lot about the decentralized organization, and you know, it's like giving power to the people, right? Right. <laughs> but it's very much like that. It's like mm-hmm. this, and and all of this is being written as we speak. I mean, it's just we the the last, and I will talk about that. We'll stop about the NFT after that. But the last thing is. Sense of Wood is very much powered by uh, the community that we're trying to create on Instagram, right? And uh, and it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to get so much uh, feedback every time we do a story or every time we, we ask a question or whatever it may be. Um, and I can't help but think every time, and obviously it's absurd because the brand is, it, is two years old, my Instagram is two, two and a half years old, but what if I had started this Instagram even without the brand, what if I started an Instagram talking about the beauty of forest and trees and scents and the woody scents of um, uh, 10 years ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so we are 10 years ago with NFTs. We are what where social networks were 10 years ago right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about early adoption and it's about uh, understanding something from the get-go. And I'm excited about that. It's only a weird idea until it's not, or it's only a concept until it's not. Right? It's exactly the same. Exactly. It's a weird yeah. idea until it's not. And it looks like this one is not going to stay weird for very yeah. long. So Exactly. And I feel like Sense of Wood has a lot of that, of just being the first to do a lot of things that seemed odd and have been incredibly successful and are now, hopefully in the future, maybe industry standards or just very um, normalized things. So... You were mentioning earlier, uh, you know, I mean, I know you're a, a DTC brand. Would there ever be a time or a place where you would move to retail? So we 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 are very prudently, very slowly moving to retail um, by choosing uh, retail partners, um, and it's always it's it's only niche perfumeries. Um, so we are in, in at Perfumology in Philadelphia, for instance, or Perfumery in mm-hmm. Portland, um, mm-hmm. um, La Perfumery in Raleigh. Uh, the, people who have created businesses that are obsessed with niche perfumery and uh, and that are interested in sense of wood. So yes, um, that that type of uh, that type of uh, retail extension, I, I, mm-hmm. I think, is very interesting. We're also in a um, barber shop called El Cid mm. in West Palm Beach which I thought was an interesting exploration for us because the brand has something barbershop-ish to it, you know? Yeah. Um, beautiful yeah. barbershops that have like magnificent leather couches and they serve you bourbon when you come in and everything is, is wood around you. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, right? So we, we, we're there as well. And we're, the, we're going to keep exploring like this um, um, very specific type of retail. But I don't, wanna, I don't want retail to... to be more than 10, 15% of our, of our revenue ever. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I really want to remain DTC and have that wonderful immediate connection with our customers that I have right now via DMs and uh, emails and texts and whatever. Yeah. I love it. So with that, before we get to the final segment of our show, I want to just know what can we look forward to with Sense of Wood? What's on the horizon? Oh, you know that. So I'm working on this project that we just discussed at length. Um, but before, and even more than this, I'm working on two things right now, which is one, the third collection. So the launch of the third subscription, which will be on the day of the four equinox this year. So September 22nd. Ooh, September. T- okay. Um, and then uh, just like we did the first and uh, on the, uh, the idea is to do them every year on the day of the four equinox and then they last for a year. Um, so that's one. And then the other thing is our international expansion. Um, we've, we're getting so many, so many very, very kind, warm, excited, enthusiastic DMs for, from people in 
Poland, in the UK, in uh, Portugal, in Greece, in France. So um, the plan is to open the presence in France in the summer and, um, mm-hmm. and then launch on the air for Equinox in France so that we can start shipping in, uh, in Europe and do probably a subscription model in France as well at that time. Very cool. And would that one be Lem du Bois primarily and then Sense of Wood second? Yeah. Okay. Interessant. Okay. So there's a final segment of the show and it is Rapid Fire Scent Association. It is called What's That Smell? I will throw out different people, places, things, and you tell me the first smell that comes to mind. Mm, what's that smell? What is the smell of the south of France? Salt and pine and fish on the fish market. What is the smell of your childhood home? Olive, cherries, and cypress. What is the smell of love? My children, the smell of my children. Beautiful. What is the smell of your home now? Oh, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's still olfactive. It's still an olfactive uh, mess because I spray so much everywhere and there's so many scents and so many vials that I don't close properly. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's dizzying. It's absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> I need to open the windows. You remind me of that actually. So with that said, what is your family's reaction to sense of wood and, and all the various smells in your house at any given time? Oh, they, 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 my kids are very interested actually. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them more from a business perspective, uh, some of them more f- by the actual ol- olfaction. Uh, I have four kids, but uh, they've always been very I- interested. They've always, uh, it's, a, it's, it's probably a strange um, situation for a kid. My, my dad is into fragrances, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's another me people who work in, the, in that field to start with. Uh, but they've always actually seen the, uh, the beauty of it. And, um, and so it's been, it's been a source of happiness, if anything. Yeah. Well, to backtrack a second, what got you first into fragrance? Oh, my God. I was telling that story recently. Um, uh, it's, it was, it's a, um, I was hired by L'Oréal after college, and they just chose for me. And in 45 minutes, that lady, the, the lady from HR said, you're going to go into fragrance. And, that, and she defined in 45 minutes my entire career. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's, the, it's the strangest, yeah. It's, uh, and, I, and I don't know who she is. I don't know her name. I cannot, I, I cannot find her to thank her. Like a little fairy godmother who just came in at the right time and guided you. She just had the, the vision. She spoke to me about a little bit and then she said, oh, you're a fragrance person. Boom, done. And that's, yeah. <laughs> wow. And then she made your whole career. And look at you now. And, uh, and throughout my career, I got to work during that time that I, the, the, those 16 years I was in advertising, I got to work on hair. I got to work on makeup. I got to work on skincare a lot. And I cannot tell you how right she was. I'm definitely a fragrance person. <laughs> yeah. Were you wearing fragrance prior to working at L'Oreal? No, no, not really. Not really. Okay. She really, she really opened an entire world to me. No, I was, but I mean, I was like a kid in France, you know, pour un homme de Caron, Fahrenheit, you know, mm-hmm. every, pour un homme de Caron, everybody was 17 in France, my generation was wearing that. Right, uh, right. You know, so I was, but um, so yes, I, I, I knew enough that I could talk, I could, I could talk about it semi-knowledgeably, but it was mm-hmm. not a passion of mine, but then it became, it never stopped, yeah. Actually, in, in many ways, I created a sense of wood for, you know, the, the, the core target of sense of wood and the core audience today of sense of wood are people who are collectors. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's very, every time I have a live chat with them or every time I, I look at, at um, what our subscribers and, and customers post on Instagram, it's always, there's always um, a shelf behind them. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's at least a fragrance shelf. Most of mm-hmm. them have a, have a fragrance closet. And some of them have a fragrance room, right? Right. No right. one has, I don't think anyone has purchased sense of wood who has only sense of wood. It's a fragrance for the fragrance lover. Totally, totally. Yeah. And it was designed that way. And that's, that's what, I mean, I have hundreds of fragrances in my collection that are not the, my brand, right? And mm-hmm. I, I've always thought that that would be, and it, it's exactly the case. And I think it's in, in general, niche, niche, fragrance, um, niche fragrance buyers are fragrance lovers right mm-hmm. absolutely you know it's not it's not specific to sense of wood i don't think i don't think anyone has only one fragrance and that's a frederick Mal fragrance no right. if you get there you need to graduate from 
having owned a lot of other things. So it's a gateway. You know, you start with your first one and you move, work yeah. your way through. And yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense for someone who would end up with a subscription service. Like you, you have to be into fragrance to sort of get to that point where you're like, I need this every month. And then you get there, you know, and then you have sense of wood. Very yeah. true. So with that said, the final question of the show, Fabrice, what is the smell of Fabrice? Oh, uh, it's the smell of, uh, it's the smell of snow. It's the smell of snow and, and snow and um, and the sun that glitters on it. <laughs> you know, that's what I. That's what if I identify to one thing in nature, mm-hmm. it, besides the trees, it's the snow that that uh, that is on them. And maybe I'm saying this because I've, I'm surrounded. All my windows, it's it's a snowy landscape right now because we're recording mm-hmm. this in uh, in early March and I'm in Park City. But I just I just love that. Uh, I just love that that element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the smell snow. Could we ever look forward to a snow-themed fragrance in the future? Well, yeah, the feeling, yeah, something, something, obviously mi- mixing that and wood. Um, yes, we're working on that. Amazing. Okay, well, Fabrice, it's been an absolute pleasure and joy to talk with you and learn so much more about Sense of Wood. And I'm sure many of the people listening who are not already familiar with Sense of Wood are now curious to try. Where can they follow you, and how can they place an order? Um, Instagram, sense of wood and sense of wood.com. Um, yeah, that's where you can find us. And, uh, if you do go to our uh, Instagram page and, um, you're coming from this podcast, um, DM me and, uh, so I know, and then, uh, I'll send you a little gift. Ooh, do you guys hear that? Just because I love Emma, I will send you a little gift. Oh my God. Wow. Okay, guys, DM Fabrice. Slide in those DMs. All right, Fabrice, thank you so much. This has been such a great interview. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez.